courage is contagious. And at this point in my life, I only want to be in rooms with people who are willing to be just as comfortable being uncomfortable because those are the people who are growing and those are the people that I want to be with. You thought it, but we said it. I'm Alexis, a certified leadership and life coach, certified postpartum doula, sourdough educator, CrossFit level one trainer, birth fit coach, a beauty counter brand advocate, and a mom to two kids. And I'm Sam, a certified and licensed therapist and mental health first aid trainer in a nine to five-ish job, along with also being a beauty counter brand advocate, in addition to being a new mom and open IVF storyteller. We consider ourselves to be walking balancing acts and fellow mindset shift mavens. Perspectively Yours is our platform where we dive headfirst into conversations on topics that can make or break us. We speak to women about the things we often think but don't say out loud and how we can shift our perspectives around them to build our resilience and normalize our experiences. This is for the woman who wants a full plate and a full cup without burning out. We're sharing our stories and inviting others to the table to provide insight on cultivating resilience, shifting your perspective, and moving forward. So let's spill the tea and get started. Hello! How are you today? Hello, hello. We are good. It is Friday. Friday, Friday, Friday. It's been like the longest week ever. So I'm really glad that it's Friday today. I actually just texted a friend this morning. (laughs) It's like, it is Friday. We made it. That is how I feel this week. I don't know what it is. It's just been, it's January. That's why. It's January. It's that full moon energy that was going on this week. I think it was just, just a weirdo week, which is funny because. I don't really know like much of anything about like astrological stuff, but to me, just like the the weird like gravitational pulls on the moon, like I could see affecting people. So I always just blame the moon on weird stuff. <laughs> it's not my crankiness. It's the, it's the moon. Exactly. It's the moon. It's the moon. Well, this week we get to have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Sam today and getting to know Sam a little bit more. So Sam gets to be our guest. So I'm going to read your bio and then we will get going. Excellent. Sam is a multi-passionate personal growth chasing woman who runs on coffee and enthusiasm for possibility. She has a unique way of threading her skill set, education, and passions into a career and life that make her feel fueled with purpose. She thrives in areas that allow her to simultaneously educate and empower others to take control of their lives. She is a licensed professional counselor who navigated her way from outpatient therapy to school counseling to taking her expertise to the corporate setting. She holds two master's degrees, one in professional counseling and the other in business administration, where she discovered her creative flair in marketing. As a full-time behavioral and clinical advisor, she helps clients understand and develop the need for emotional well-being initiatives. Sam has also been a beauty counter brand advocate for the last four and a half years, using the platform to help women feel empowered and informed about their decisions feel good in their skin, and find the confidence to use their voice and take chances on themselves. 
She is an IVF storyteller and now mom to Logan and, of course, her golden retriever, Charlie. She loves a good guilty pleasure. Like in New Jersey fashion, she loves diners and fries with gravy, real housewives of New Jersey, and lives near the Golden Bachelor. Her ultimate goal in life is to help bring people together to feel seen. Welcome, Sam. We're so happy. Oh, thank you. you. Oh, my goodness. It's such a pleasure to be invited to my own podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll learn more about me today. Maybe you will. Maybe you will. You never know. Sometimes you can have big aha moments and insights. So I really want to dive into how you got from there to here, because I think that it is a conversation that is ongoing for us outside of the podcast. And I think that I'd love everybody else to hear kind of how you got from there to here, because you clearly have done a lot in the middle time. So tell me where there is and tell me where here is, because I'm still figuring out here. Yeah, (laughs) I think what I'm thinking of is kind of when you decided to embark on your professional career journey, just like your starting point in outpatient therapy and everything and to what you're doing now in a corporate setting. Sure. So I find it a little comical, actually, because I I want to be clear that I never intended to nor wanted to be said this out loud, a therapist or a school counselor, both of which I was somewhat am. Which is and funny. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. Well, because I think for me, part of it is just who I am and how I'm wired. So a lot of the skill set just goes along with my natural personality and skill set and I think it's really hard to separate the two when you have, you know, a piece of what it means to be a counselor or a therapist as part of your your baseline. But what I didn't really anticipate was where it was going to take me. I just knew somewhere deep down that it was a starting point to get me to another point. And I mm-hmm. think that that is, Alexis and I talk about breadcrumbing. I've now made it a verb of like piecing my way through my career because I'll tell you a story and this this will kind of summarize everything. My mom loves to tell this story. We'd go to the store and there'd be two dresses and there'd be a red one and there'd be a blue one. My mom would say, okay, so which one do you want? Oh, I want both because I couldn't make up my mind between the red or the blue. And I feel like that mentality has served me well throughout life and not because I need to have both, but because I will figure out a way to get the pieces that I need to make the next step. So it may not be every item or every responsibility within that job, but there are pieces of it that I wanted that I wanted to take with me from point A to point B and then from point B to point C. And I was listening to Colleen Nichols. She released a book recently, Don't Make It Weird how to be a human on the internet. And she talks about, and I, it really clicked how she talks about this like long journey and you have to have a plan, right? We all have to know where it is that we're going. Otherwise it could end up really bad and probably, you know, on the side of the road somewhere. And she talks about how like you plan for this trip, but you don't always have to know the, the how you just have to know the where. And so sometimes the how is going to change. And sometimes the how just happens to unfold. And I think that that's kind of what happened to me in my career journey. I remember sitting in my 
my last class of my undergrad and I had to take the the class, the intro to therapy, because I just needed another elective and I dreaded it. I did not want to be part of triads and dyads. So if anybody who's not familiar with that, basically you're practicing therapy skills in front of the class. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. I actually didn't even want to do it in grad school. And I, I resisted it hard. Like I would mm-hmm. not be open. And I find that so ironic for someone who's such an open book, mm-hmm. but I digress. So I'm sitting there and we have to think about like our thesis for the end of the year. And I knew that I wanted to talk about, or I wanted to research corporate culture and how people feel completely fulfilled and productive and find purpose in their work. And I was 22 at the time. And so I think I did my whole study on like employee attendance and set job satisfaction and, you know, culture. And it was really fun. And so I thought for me, the next leg of my journey was going to be a master's in IO psychology, which is industrial organizational psych. And I got through the first semester barely, not grade-wise, mentally, because they talked a lot about writing job descriptions. And I said, hell to the no, I am not writing job descriptions. Like I need more of a personal piece to this, not just the behind the scenes. So I jumped ship, which I don't do very quickly, easily, normally. I stick things out probably until I should have, you know, until it's too late. And I switched gears and went to grad school for professional counseling, which lit me up like no tomorrow. But it was also an eye-opening experience because I realized after I graduated the lack of boundaries I had in my life mm. and the overwhelming responsibility I felt for other people's well-being. And that's where I started to kind of think about why I felt the need to fix, why I felt responsible for. I noticed that I had some people-pleasing tendencies. And I don't know if I would have ever admitted that out loud, but can today that even like Alexis and I have talked about, even assertive people can be people-pleasers because it's more about trying to control the narrative of what someone thinks about us. And so I was in the a private, pra- not private practice, I'm sorry. I was in an outpatient setting working with children and families And I was doing this in addition to another job and it was just overwhelming. It was just too much. It was emotionally draining to have to work all day, then go and be a therapist and feel like you're responsible even after you left the office. And my professor at the time had said, you know, I I laugh when people say they become therapists because they don't want to be responsible for people's lives the way a doctor is. Mm -hmm. And you're just as responsible and sometimes more, just different ways. And I, I realized that the outpatient unfortunately also wasn't paying very well. I'll be Mm -hmm. honest that Mm -hmm. there is such shitty pay for mental health practitioners, unless you have your own practice, which only is successful after you've been doing it for a while and had to handle with insurance companies. And so it was not a very lucrative space and I needed stability. I knew that I needed stability and for damn money and not getting paid when people didn't show up just wasn't it for me. Mm-hmm. So I ventured down the school counselor route where I knew I could use my clinical skills, have a steady salary and benefits and retirement and the whole nine yards. Except I knew, I knew going into it that it wasn't what I wanted mm-hmm. and it wasn't where I was planning to stay. But it was the best I could do right now until I figured out the next move. Mm-hmm. And To me, that's where resilience kind of kicks into of making the best of what you have at that moment. And Alexis, you actually shared on your story 
don't know if it was last night or today, how like you always just made the best, made it work with yeah. what you had. Scrappy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm scrappy too. And, and it's, I mean, I, I, I'm a shopper, so I will, I will get the things that I, I need, so to speak. But when I can only make do with what I have, whether it's a career or even food in my fridge, like I'm like, okay, how are we going to figure it out? What are we going to do with what we have on hand? And so that was the best case scenario for me at that time. But I knew I still wanted to be in corporate. And I had a friend who's hopefully listening to this at this point who became my intern and she looked at me, it was probably my second year in the school full-time. And she goes, Sam, what are you doing here? Like, you are so much better than this. You can do, you should be doing so much more. And that is not to minimize school counselors. You have one of the hardest jobs. To me, there was some security because I could refer students out for additional mm-hmm. help rather than needing to go home with that responsibility in the mm-hmm. same way. So that's mm-hmm. where I felt like I had to, I got to protect myself, my boundaries a little bit better. But it still wasn't enough. It wasn't really what I needed. And I also had a very different idea than my administration about what my role was. And for all school counselors out there, stick to your integrity, stick to what you know the job requires of you, what you should be doing. Because when you have other, I'll call them leaders in the school districts who have no experience and knowledge in what you do, they try to dictate that for you. They try Mm -hmm. to define it and it's not always appropriate. Mm -hmm. And being a person with where there's a will, there's a way, but also having full integrity in myself and what I know to be my truth. I knew it was not a job that I could do anymore. And I bucked the system mm-hmm. and I fought back regularly. And that led me to not being tenured. And that was hard for me to swallow, but it also wasn't because I couldn't just sit back and do something that didn't feel right. But I, I also don't know if I had the guts at that point to just pick up and leave. And so what I have found is things that no longer serve me, sometimes I say a higher power has removed them for me and said, there's something better here, push. Mm -hmm. And so from there, I had actually started running wellness fairs in the schools because I knew that the kids needed to understand how to take care of themselves as whole people, mentally included, emotionally included. So I had started looking in the wellness world and I stumbled upon a job and everyone was telling me, you're not going to find this kind of position. It's only going to be a Fortune 500 companies. It's very limited. And I found this job that was in wellness strategy, basically. And I said, that's the job for me. And I took that job and it was the best job I ever took. And it was the best decision I ever made. But I still had this passion for mental health. So I became the residential like emotional health expert in Mm -hmm. our space. Mm Mm-hmm. And I want to say within like the first week, I connected with a clinician who worked there as well in a different department, and I made sure he knew who I was. And so what I think has also helped me get from point A to point B to point C is knowing my resources. It's knowing opportunities when they present themselves. And it doesn't have to be a job opening. Sometimes it's a relationship. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a connection you need to make or a program that's happening that you want to make sure you get involved in or just kind of knowing how to maneuver really and and being comfortable maneuvering. And so I kept my contacts open for a couple of years and I kept my feelers out there on the ways that I could get to still incorporate my love for mental health into what I did, how how I could make the best of what I had at hand and how I could use it. And then I ended up being presented with an offer to move into this more current role. 
and I get to really flex my clinical muscles, but in a way that suits me better than being the therapist. Mm -hmm. I, Alexis and I talk about this too, that I am, we both love to teach. And I actually heard this in a Rachel Hollis podcast the other day and has nothing, we had the thoughts as well. Rachel, you had them, but we definitely had them too. (laughs) That you don't have to think always about something in a traditional sense. That just because you love to teach doesn't mean that you have to be a teacher in a school district. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we pigeonhole ourselves is these black and white definitions of what something is and isn't. And we lose the creative opportunity to craft it into what we want it to be or how we can apply that skill set in a different manner. And I love to teach, but I did not belong in a school. I'll just put it that I'm way too black and white and forthcoming with what I think to be in a school. It just, my personality didn't blend well there. And I don't, I didn't want to teach social studies or language arts or math and definitely not math. No one wants me teaching math, but I wanted to find ways to still teach and teaching about mental health and empowering through the way I speak has helped a lot of people understand it better to become better advocates for themselves or improve their relationship with others. And these are lifelong skills. They're not just skills in a, in a therapist's office. They're skills that can really help you across the board, like perspective shifting, right? That's mm-hmm. it's what builds our resilience to be able to do more of the things we want to do. And along the way, what had happened is I realized on a, we'll call it like an excursion, right on our trip. We went on an excursion. I have shared a little bit about this previously, but I basically ended a almost seven-year relationship. And when I did, I realized that I didn't really have much that was for me. And I think what really helped me figure out what I wanted for myself was when I stumbled upon Beauty Counter because the product's were the initial entry point, right? But when I learned what the company was about and their real message is, you know, overall it's we want safer products in the hands of everyone, everyone means everyone, right? That's like the slogan. But what I heard was raise your voice and raise your standards. Mm -hmm. And I think that as I evolved as a person, that clicked so much with me that I felt like I needed to teach other women in particular to do that. Raise your voice, use your voice, raise your standards. And Mm -hmm. so they gave me a platform to do that. And so that's how Beauty Counter became the excursion on this journey to the wellness piece of it also, you know, being a part of who I became. And then the podcast was something that for four years I thought about and I thought about all the things I've wanted to say. And I questioned for four years if anything I had to say was valuable. And through the feedback we've gotten, it seems like it's been pretty solid, Mm -hmm. but it's another platform to use my voice. And that is where I think my skills have really been able to shine because I connect with people. So back to the teaching, when you connect with a teacher, that's where you learn. It's not always the material, but the relationship that you've built. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for taking us on that journey. That was really amazing. So the one question that I have after hearing that journey is I'm really curious why you think it was that you didn't want to become a therapist and also you ended up there anyway. 
I'm really just curious about your thoughts around that. Oh, we should have prepped these questions beforehand. <laughs> You're gonna it make me have, dig. It wouldn't have. It wouldn't have come <laughs> up if I hadn't <laughs> listened to everything that you had to say. So, uh, you're gonna make me dig. Okay, those are great questions. I don't know if I have enough reflection on them completely because I think I just buckled down and did. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the reason I I didn't want to was I think I wasn't afraid to handle everybody else's stories. Mm. I didn't know if I was equipped to do that, even though the truth is, as I knew I was, I just, it scared me. Like there was fear. And I think that when there is fear, it's not because we're not capable. It's because we know we are. Mm-hmm. And what is that going to mean? And I've been reading the, the book, The Big Leap. And that's often the case is that when we know that we're going to be successful at something. There can be a lot of hesitance around it, which people wouldn't assume that to be the case. But I think it's because there is sacrifice and there is change within us that's required in order to do. And I also think one of the hesitations that I had also surrounded my boundaries because I am the fixer. I am the doer. And if I couldn't fix I felt, I knew I would feel, or maybe I'm thinking about this now, but I wouldn't feel in control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's coming up for me there that I'm thinking about is that you also reflected on realizing that you had a lack of boundaries around your responsibilities with patients. And it was like you almost knew subconsciously, intuitively, that you were going to have to deal with that if you ended up moving into the therapy space. So you, it's like you almost had to wait until you were ready to, mm-hmm. or almost like your hand was forced mm-hmm. to end up in that situation where you had to deal with it. Well, my hand has been forced in, in multiple ways. And that's why I said before, I almost feel like I might get a little emotional as I'm talking about this. I wasn't anticipating that. God, Alexis. You know, I'm good with feelings. So that's, yeah. that's it. <laughs> I define myself as a resilient person, that I will make it through. I will figure it out. And I think that my hand has been forced because I don't quit. I don't give up. And I actually shared this in a post recently. Maybe it's an email. I lied. I was actually working on an email. I had to think about that, about what the difference is between resilience and force. And resilience, many of us, or perseverance, is just continuing to push through, to knock, to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And it is, but it's not forcing. It's, to me, I wish I had the email in front of me because I I wrote it. I also, I don't know what kind of processor, written processor, writing processor, what's the Mm -hmm. right word here, where I write it out. It's where a lot of my cathartic moments come from. Mm -hmm. And resilience is like a thought out, action plan with reflection to move forward. And I think for a long time, I treated it like a button I kept pressing instead. Like, how can I do this differently? You know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm just going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm keep going. And it wasn't changing. And so it's almost like someone had to like knock my hand out of the way and go, okay, we're going to pull this from you so that you can actually figure this out. 
And whether that was a relationship or a job or my boundaries, it was, we're going to put you in the situation that you need to be in so that you can learn. Yeah. I think that that's also something that you and I share in common is that sometimes it's not even resiliency so much as it's ego and stubbornness of like, Mm -hmm. this is what I'm doing and I'm just going to keep doing it. Even though we know intuitively it's not feeling right, we just almost like don't know how to walk away from it, which I think is not the case still. I think that we're both learning how to how to not <laughs> end up in that. Like, I'm just going to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. Um, but yeah, I've, that is really interesting. I think that the piece that was missing and still misses the mark quite a bit, but I'm working on it, is the acceptance part that's mm-hmm. required for resilience. Mm-hmm. And like, that's what I think people miss is that acceptance is required for resilience. Mm -hmm. And they sound like they're opposites. I'm accepting it versus I'm pushing through it. Mm -hmm. But resilience and perseverance are different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can think of times in my own personal experience where I was continuing to push through because I was no longer willing to accept. I just still wasn't willing to accept that things had changed something had shifted and it can't continue to be the same. So you're 100% spot on. Like it's not resiliency if you're not willing to accept that something has changed and you have to shift with whatever is going on instead of just trying to like push through, make this continue to work no matter what. Well, because I think it also comes down to control that Mm -hmm. I'm in control of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you think on this journey you really learned the importance of what we are talking about here, which is a lot of that mindset shifting, changing your perspective, learning what resiliency is and isn't? Where do you think on on this journey did you really start that portion of how you think about life? Um, I think it came in pieces. I don't think it came all at once. I think I got glimpses of it at different steps. I think the first was probably the end of my seven-year relationship because I no longer could fix the relationship by myself. And I had a deadline. I had a wedding. And I needed to move quick. And I remember the day, I didn't think I was going to get emotional. I mean, it's been 10 years. Yeah. But I remember the day that I made the decision. There's actually a song that kind of outlined exactly how it happened, which was really strange. And it was a Brett Eldridge song with a country singer. I don't remember the name of the song, but it happened on a Sunday is how the music starts. And it happened on a Sunday. And I went for a really long walk by myself. And I remember my mom saying to me, She's like my Jiminy Cricket. Like she's the, she's the little one on my shoulder constantly saying, can you do this not being 100% in it? And it wasn't that I wasn't 100% in it. It was that I knew I no longer had influence over the outcome mm. and that I couldn't change it. I couldn't fix it. And that was the first dose of acceptance that I think I had. And... 
I actually wrote this in that email. It's like you knew. It's like you. Knew. And by the way, Flowdesk, not happy with you because I wrote all of this out and they save. It's like a Google Drive. Everything like saves as you write. It's gone. So we have to start from what. <laughs> so for all of you who are going to get that email, we're starting over. Anyway, I re and I said that when I when I had written this out is that at, at 26 years old. I knew that it was, I couldn't control the outcome. But what I later realized years later was that it, it was a relationship that was no longer serving me and hadn't been serving me for a long time. But it was more about me being able to stay in control of the situation and the outcome than it was about the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then the next dose of that was not getting tenure at the school. And it was a good thing. It was the best thing that never happened to me. And I mean that, and I say that on both accounts and with utmost respect, that it was the best thing that never happened for me because something else was there and there was a visual. And I'm not a very religious person, but I, I'm, I can be spiritual, but there was an image that I had seen on Pinterest and it was a picture of God and a little girl and she's holding a teddy bear and he's taking it from her. And she says, but God, I, I love it or I want it. And he, behind his back, he has a bigger teddy bear. And to me, that visual has been pretty prevalent in various aspects of my life because there was something bigger and better that I had to trust in. And resilience, when we truly talk about resilience, is that trust in yourself. There's, you know, there's all kinds of sayings and expressions about it. I love the one where a bird doesn't land on a branch worrying about whether or not the, it's going to break. It trusts mm -hmm. in its own wings to fly. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I have lived my life since then. So it's been like moments of it. And I will say that those two have given me the confidence to trust whatever it is that's coming next and to know that I will deal with whatever it is that comes my way. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing is that you learned in those moments how to release the control over what was happening, because I can imagine this like tight grip over, but this is, this is how it's going to be. And you in those moments learned that I can trust that I actually am not in control of how this goes and it's going to be okay. Like if I'm not in control of this situation, it's going to still be okay. And in fact, it might be a lot better than if I'm the one in charge here. And also, it's also in those moments that I think you feel the most alone. You feel the most isolated because you feel like the elephant in the room or you feel like an oddball that your life is standing still and everyone else's is moving forward. Mm -hmm. And I, very, I learned very quickly that there were so many other people that shared my story because I shared it. I wrote articles. I wrote blog posts. I put it out there and not for the sake of, and, and I put no one down mm -hmm. along the line, along, mm -hmm. along the way. It mm -hmm. was sharing my experience and my story. And I cannot tell you the number of people who reached out to me and said, I've gone through that. I'm going through that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And the same happened with my IVF journey. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to get emotional again. Jeez. I <laughs> I can't tell you the amount of people who came to me and said, thank you for sharing. And there are people who are initially critical 
or who question why you're so open. And it's not just being open for me. I'm using my courage to be open for someone else. Yeah, because we both know how isolating these situations can feel. And we know how it's like, how, how am I the only one experiencing this? And it's because no one is courageous enough to come out and say, this is the reality of the situation. This is how, this is my experience. And you know, deep within your bones, it's not just you. And that is why you are vulnerable. And I would even say not transparent, you're vulnerable. Transparency is just like, almost like a controlled way of just being like, this is my life, but you're vulnerable about it. You're, this is how it feels. I'm in it right now. This is how it is. and. For others. It's not just for you. It's so that you know that it's it's almost like you get to even shift the perspective on the feelings that you're experiencing and your experience because it can be used for something other than pain and suffering and learning for yourself, but encouragement for others. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's why you know, when I, when I found beauty counter, I feel like that's why it like, it hit me so hard that this mm -hmm. was something I needed to be a part of. Mm -hmm. You know, I joke as of recently, I've been sharing, like, I'm not a skincare junkie. I'm not a makeup junkie. I'm not a makeup artist. I'm lucky. And I had to do flawless in five and like, pretend I can give myself a smoky eye and don't get me wrong. The products are phenomenal. Like if you're not using them yet, you should be using them. Otherwise mm -hmm. you're wasting your money and you're absolutely this, this is a shameless plug <laughs> for beauty counter, not because we sell it, but because we stand by the products. They were crunchy and didn't work. I'd be like, don't waste your time and money. Yeah. Um, but I found a platform, but I found not just a platform, I found a community of other humans, majority women. We have some standout men many just as vulnerable, just as willing to be vulnerable and brave. And I recently went to a networking event and I don't know where it came from, but it just came out of my mouth. And I said, I was talking to the girls who had set up the, the, the event. And I said, courage is contagious. And at this point in my life, I only want to be in rooms with people who are willing to be just as comfortable being uncomfortable. Because those are the people who are growing and those are the people that I want to be with. And I think that all of that has, this has been the journey to trust my vulnerability. And I always, and it was, again, back to Colleen Nichols' book, I've always been an open book. Always. I'm an oversharer by far. And to some people, they're like, eek and ick. And to some people, they're like, thank you. But it has, it was so nice to feel normalized reading that book or listening to that book that. Being an open book is what helps people feel connected and to feel seen and valued and not alone. And I'm privileged in so many ways, but I've had my own fair share of obstacles. And, you know, sometimes we like to play the comparison game, not just for good, but for us, oh, they had it worse than me. I'm not allowed to be upset. You're allowed to feel your feelings. You're allowed to be impacted by your experiences. You're allowed to struggle. And I want people to know that, that, and I, you know, it's funny as I played volleyball in college and my coach used to call me smiling. And actually I went to the grocery store recently and guy was like, do you always walk around with that smile on your face? And 
I do. Like, I'm always smiling and I've had my fair share of stuff. Has it been as much as some people that, you know, other people I know? No. Has it been as good as others? Probably not either. But because I value myself as a resilient person and I try to find the silver lining, I think that's where you and I, you know, also cross paths here is that part of resilience to me is being able to find the silver lining. Yeah. And like we've talked about before, it's like, except it's, it is the acceptance of like, this is really shitty. This is a really shitty situation. And also like it's, it's in that. And also that you can really build that resilience too. And you're great about it. Well, thanks so much, Sam, for coming on and sharing so much. We have to end with some lightning round questions. Yes. You did that to me too. I did. So, I did. Random out of the blue. If you had two hours to do whatever you wanted, what would it be? Well, if you know me, I also try to cram as much into a freaking day as possible. <laughs> Because that's true to character. But if if I'm going to use the time most efficiently, if I had two hours to myself to do whatever I wanted, I would probably, actually, I did this for my birthday, go get a facial and a massage because it actually forces me to be disconnected, to breathe, to relax, to decompress and really be with myself because I don't do that often. I don't give myself the opportunity to. That's a good one. Um, what has been, if you can't think of one, think of top three books that have impacted your life the most. Oh, well, the first one is absolutely Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. She was the beginning to this journey. And if she ever comes on this podcast, oh my God, I will like <laughs> fangirl the rest of my life. I don't know if I'd even be able to talk. I'd I don't know. Be like, I can't believe that you're in our like, Space. computer screen. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? You know what? I feel like she's so comfortable that it would be so comfortable as if we knew her. Like, yeah. she's got the vibe. So yeah. Brene Brown, yeah. Daring Greatly, hands down. That's number one. And if you haven't read it, you need to. Because we could all use a dose of learning how to be more vulnerable. Yeah. Other books that have impacted me that significantly actually her they're all they're all Brene Brown they're she's all Brene. amazing the other yeah. one is, I think is it Braving the Wilderness or there's another one in between I don't remember if it, I have the physical book I can't remember if it's Braving the Wilderness also fantastic and Dare to Lead mm -hmm. Dare to Lead and she actually just said she's coming out with another revision of that oh um, nice yeah yeah she is a social scientist and people don't like people think of psychology and mental health sometimes as like woo woo and not science backed. It is absolutely science backed. Mm -hmm. So let's be clear. But all three Brene Browns have been absolutely incredible. So she's going to be my top three because I would read more. If she wrote, if she wrote a newspaper article, that would be my top. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you there. All right. Last, this is coming to me. You're at a dance club. And the, your favorite song ever comes on. Easy. What is it? It's I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Oh, nice. Yeah, I that is it. my favorite song ever, ever. Actually, I am still, we are still in the generation where tapes still existed. Yeah. Right? I had the Whitney Houston cassette tape that I used to put in my boombox in my room and just like rewind and play the song on repeat. 
Oh, that's awesome. Oh man, our kids are never going to know that. I know. <laughs> they just tell Alexa oh. to play it and put it oh. on repeat. Wait, I have to go back. So I have okay. to get, because Brene, maybe we categorize in, into one and a half right now. Okay. Hello Fears. It's a book that we were told about this past summer. We had the privilege of listening to Michelle Poehler, who wrote the book. She actually became famous because she started daring herself to do a hundred things that she was afraid of. And she is phenomenal. So Hello Fears is another book that I absolutely She love. is just lovely. Yeah. Listening to her speak was amazing. I loved it so much. Thank you so much, Sam, for coming on and sharing so much of yourself so vulnerably with everybody, if I can say that. Vulnerably. There you go. <laughs> we are the we are the women in the arena that's how i like to think of it yes we are we totally are all right well we will be back for another episode next week so thanks so much for tuning in thank you so much for joining us today just as a reminder this podcast is not intended to replace professional medical advice or mental health services If you are in a mental health crisis, please call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988 or 911. Did today's episode of Perspectively Yours hit the spot? It would mean the world to us if you'd show us some love with these three effortless ways to help your fave podcast thrive. First up, the most important, never miss an episode by following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Just head over to our show page, tap the plus sign and select follow. Next, leave us a shiny five-star rating and review on your podcast platform. Your feedback helps us make each episode better and better. Last but not least, share your favorite episode with a friend. The power of word of mouth is undeniable and we would be over the moon if you spread the love about Perspectively Yours. Before we let you go, here's a fun fact. We met through Beauty Counter, our favorite clean beauty brand, and are both brand advocates. If you've been looking for safer products that actually give you results, you can get 20% off your first purchase with the code CLEANFORALL20. Don't forget to follow us each on Instagram at Ms. underscore Samantha Kehoe and Alexis.TheNourishedBeginnings. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. Be sure to check out the show notes for any resources we mentioned. Thank you for being here. We are grateful for your support and love.